Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I went on a group retreat type thing over a fall weekend about eight years ago, husband and I and our three girls, all under age 10. This was an annual occurrence, but we were flush that year as a result of our company doing well. As a result, we avoided the communal bunkhouses and decided to rent a camper. The RV rental place explained that it would cost the same for three nights as it would for two. So we decided we'd return it on Monday despite the retreat being over earlier on Sunday. So the weekend went great. It was super hot, and we were happy to have a sea. We didn't notice it at the time different people being in and out all day, 
not staying in the RV much over the weekend because of activities, but the previous renters hadn't bothered to clear out the septic lines in the camper. By six Sunday evening it stunk horribly, and was backing up into the toilet. My husband was anxious about the rental company blaming us, so he decided to go to the Walmart in the neighboring town for some Drano. Mind you, this particular location, while open all year, is rarely occupied outside of retreats. I'll confess that we haven't been back since this occasion, so the details of why don't really come to mind, but as I recall it was privately owned by a church in the area, and they used it mostly for their own purposes and events. So Hubs leaves around 8.30pm for Walmart. It's an hour plus round trip thanks to the rural area and skinny backroads. I start straightening the camper, packing our belongings and getting the kids settled. He'd been gone for about 40 minutes when I had gotten everything squared away, and delivered the last glass of water to an overexcited child who'd been on the move all day, and was having trouble relaxing. I curled up in the bed to read and wait for my husband to get back, in case he needed help. The lights had been out for about 20 minutes when I started hearing a clicking sound coming from the window behind the bed. I stilled instantly and ran through a self-reassuring checklist. It's the trees scraping the glass nature, a sound in the environment nearby. Or an axe murderer. That was an option too. I got up and walked very slowly to the kitchen. The noise followed. As I was climbing up into the loft area over the truck can, I heard the door handle rattle, and then the scraping sound. I'd gotten a knife as I passed through the kitchen, which I was sweaty clutching as I hauled down on the edge of the bed in the loft, guarding my children. I eyed the cabin, making sure every access point was locked, and hoped whoever it was it was definitely a whoever at this point would go away. I leaned left and right trying to get signal on my cell to call camp security, or my husband or anyone, but it wouldn't dial. I waited, panicking. It was about five minutes of torture later that I saw headlights through the portholes on the side, coming along the winding road to the RV sites, and my husband entered the cabin, looking at me weird. He scoffed at me for being a city girl and told me that people didn't break out of prison and attack women and children in random rural campgrounds. I expressed that I'd heard the door rattling, and that it wasn't a coincidence of nature, but he brushed me off. We passed the test of the night without incident, though I was too on edge to sleep. The next morning, we drove into the town to return the RV. On the once over demanded by the rental agreement, the manager came around to my husband, and asked if he knew what had happened to the rear window. It seems that someone had used a switchblade or some similar item to remove the gasket from around the window where the back bedroom was where I'd been reading the night before. There were gashes in the paint consistent with knife marks, and the gasket had been sliced off. The window lock was also damaged. It seems whoever had done, it had also tried inserting the knife in the door's lock, and between the jam and the lock in another attempt to gain entry. Fortunately, they didn't get in, and we were not charged for the damage to the RV. Needless to say, I never consented to a solo camping trip again, and always go in a larger group now. Safety in numbers, and all that.
still makes the hair on my neck stand up. I love to choose my outfits, but they tend to be skin tight, or you see some skin. Anyway I was walking home from school one day, and I was wearing a skirt with shorts underneath, and stockings the shirt doesn't necessarily matter for this part. While walking home I was listening to music on high trying to block out the world from a long day at school. I felt something brush up against behind me, and didn't really think anything of it. I was a bit entranced in my music, and could have even been humming. I noticed something brush up against me again, so I glanced behind me to see a man about two inches close to me. I screamed in surprise and apologized to him for screaming, because he seemed pretty flustered himself. He walked in front of me and sped away. I couldn't tell, but I think he was trying to look up my skirt that would explain the weird feeling of wind, while he was behind me. If that wasn't strange enough it took me a while to finally get home I stopped off and took some breaks to try and calm down. When I finally got home I noticed someone I hadn't seen around my apartment. I thought I might have had a new neighbor because there was a guy under my stairway. He just looked like some kid who went to my high school, he was wearing a hoodie and basketball shorts. When I came up to my apartment he moved directly underneath my staircase which has holes in it, so you can look up and see the person through the stairs. I can notice this guy was definitely trying to look up my skirt. I had a pretty smug look on my face because I had worn shorts. When I had gotten to the top of my stairs I noticed he pulled out his phone and was trying to take pictures. I was feeling extremely scared at this point. I had forgotten all about the guy from before, and couldn't seem to unlock the door. My front door has an electric phone lock, and my phone had not been able to connect to the loco for some reason. I realized I couldn't get into my own house, and there was some creepy perv trying to take pictures of me right underneath my stairs. I looked underneath the stairs to see if he was still there. He most assuredly was. Not only was he there, but he was also jacking off right underneath my stairs. He just had his penis out, and was just there. I about had a heart attack I had no idea what to do I couldn't run down the stairs and leave because he was right there, and I couldn't go into my house because it was locked, and I couldn't connect to it. I decided to call my dad and ask him what to do. My dad called the police for me which was probably what I should have done in the first place, but I have no time to think. I had sat out of eyesight and yelled at the perv to leave. But I didn't know if he was aggressive, or if he would respond. I decided to just make a run for the community office at our apartment complex. I made a plan to find a phone there and find people so he couldn't harass me if he got the chance. I made the choice and started running down the stairs, and to the office I looked back, and he wasn't there. Relieved but still full of adrenaline I ran to the house. My dad had finally unlocked it. Later the police came by and asked me some questions they said they keep an eye out, but they never found him. I haven't seen him since and hope it stays that way. This happened back in the summer of 2013 when I was 13. My mom and I were in Florida visiting my grandma and aunt. 
After spending the week or so at grandma's place in Odessa, we drove north to St. Augustine to spend the next week at a hotel by the beach and visit with my aunt as well. On the second night there we were driving to pick up my aunt who was working the night shift at Denny's. On the drive, a guy was walking down the road with his back facing us with a backpack and all. Possibly homeless. It was dark and right by a stretch of woods, so my mom didn't see him at first, and nearly hit him. When she notices and swerves to avoid the vehicular manslaughter charges, I look out the window to see who this guy is. Nothing about the guy walking seemed out of the ordinary. It's what I saw behind him that still sticks with me. It was this humanoid creature that was crouched down, looking like it might have already been eating something. Keep in mind I was in a moving vehicle so I couldn't get the best look at it, but it almost looked to have old ripped up clothes on, and a bit of hair on its head, like a human. But its eyes, they were huge. They glowed too like when you see an animal's eyes looking at you at night. When it looked up it snarled, and I could almost see its teeth. They looked sharp like they could bite right through you with no effort. Its skin was almost white with a tint of green, and looked skinny and long. The knees up to its head when crouching. It had to have been no more than 10 feet away from the pedestrian walking on the side of the road. It took me a minute to register what I just saw, and if it was even what I thought it was, which I still, almost 12 years later couldn't tell you. I was just quiet and in shock for the rest of the night. My mom, aunt, and I went back to the hotel room, they drank and caught up while I just tried to watch TV and not think about what I saw that night. I still don't know what I saw. My knowledge of Florida cryptids is very limited. I lived by a state park as a kid. One of those places super close to a city so it's very overhiked. Like, you can't walk a in without passing several other people. This area eventually leads up into a vast mountainous area, but that's many miles away. Rumors of wild pigs, but no bears, and the most dangerous things are rattlesnakes that just want to be left alone. All that to set up for this point. Wildlife has been basically chased out of their refuge. The biggest animal I had seen was a squirrel until I was 10 years old. The first incident my dad and I were taking the slightly less used path. It was basically an out of the way trial that ended the same, but was rougher, no bicycles and an added risk of seeing the aforementioned rattlesnakes. I was watching my footing when my dad left out and oh shit. I looked up and saw two of the biggest bucks I have seen in person. This is a no hunting park, so really big, and we were really close as my dad had been watching out for me. My dad is desperately looking around for a tree, I would learn later while I go, oh dear. Sadina, no. My dad yells as I step towards the deer so see if they're friendly. One lowers his head, and I'm thinking it wants to be petted. My dad realizes I am closer to the deer than I am to him, and this causes him to freak the F out. The deer are focused on me, one head down still. Till a branch hits it across its face. It barely phases the F, though the other one takes off immediately. After some cursing from dad, 
it finally prances away like no big deal. My dad was convinced that Buck was about to go for me. I got an education that day, that even nice animals can be dangerous. I would learn that lesson again with a nice herd of cows on the beach a year later. Later that fall, a mountain lion was spotted from a very busy trail, kinda far, but it'd been like 20 years since a sighting. It turns out, despite the crowds of people, conservation efforts were paying off. By the time I was in my 20s, deer were jumping into our backyard to eat our roses, owls were nesting right next to the main parking lot, the wild pigs weren't rumors anymore, the lions could be heard screaming in the distance at night, and the rattlesnakes still just want to be left the f alone. I didn't see the creature. My mother did around 1960 in the Chicago suburb of Oak Lawn, Illinois. My aunt was present, but said she didn't see it. My dad and uncle were in the house with us kids and also saw nothing. She described it as having leathery wings like a bat, but also had arms and a human face. She had watched it from a distance as it approached. She originally thought it was a huge bird standing on the railings of our porch to get a better look, and said it was almost close enough to touch. She said it flapped its wings slowly, gliding as much as flying. Within a few moments, there was a radio report about a UFO crashing into Lake Michigan, and both families jumped into our cars and went to the lake to see. It took a half hour or so to get to the lake, and police were on the scene by then shooing people away. I was in the first grade at the time. My parents were both practical people not given to jumping at shadows or imagining things. This happened to me in January 2014, on a back road in northeast Arkansas. At the time I was a newspaper delivery driver. I picked up my papers from the press usually at 12.15 am and it was a 45-minute drive to start my route. At the time I was a cigarette smoker, so after I bagged up enough newspapers to sustain my route for a while, I'd light up a cigarette and roll the window down. Being cold, I tried to keep it up as much as possible because my car back then didn't have a C. There's a really long stretch of gravel road called Old Military Road near Harrisburg, Arkansas. On the left side of the road are mostly houses, and on the right are fence posts and open pasture with barns and troughs for horses and cows. It is in the middle of nowhere though. There are no street lights, some people have floodlights in their yard. So I'm driving along with my windows down smoking a cigarette. It's about 2.20-2.30 am, and I begin smelling a combination of burning hair and urine. Like, not a mixture of the two but one and also the other. It isn't a great smell. I toss the cigarette and roll my window up, but can still smell whatever this awful smell is. The further I go down the road the worse the smell gets. Usually see some of the cows sleeping outside or horses chilling sometimes, but nothing tonight. So I know that I'm not the only one who picked up on something being weird that night. As I'm coming up to a fork in the road, I have to take the left, there is a big open field to the far right, 
and I see what looks like a man with a deer's head. It was too dark for me to tell whether it was a man wearing a deer skull, or an actual human or deer cross, but it was definitely the source of whatever the smell was. It scared the heck out of me, and I didn't want to hang out long enough to figure out exactly what it was. To my perception, he was at shoulder height, 7 feet tall. The head probably added a foot of height, I don't know, but he was massive. They were definitely deer antlers, and the smell was disgusting. I saw him stretch his arms, imagine flexing your arms and chest by making a wide C with your arms. His movement, for the two three seconds I saw him, looked to be human. I found a new job in late January and started in February, but I was not interested in ever being out in that area again. Creepy dear man, let's not meet. This encounter happened in 2023, last spring, approximately 5 miles from a Sasquatch encounter mentioned in another report. It's a mile away and I was walking my three dogs in the forest. The energy felt dank and I somewhat felt on edge. We were nearly ending our walk to where our vehicle was parked. There was no sight of anyone walking the trails, only my dogs and I walking through these dank parts. As we near the end of the trail, I could hear a clipping noise only to see branches falling like someone was pruning a tree. The branches fell randomly one by one. The tree looked like it was in a blurry form. My dogs seemed not to notice anything indifferent about the experience, as they were tired out from the long walk. Clip, clip, clip was all I heard, and there was no one to be seen up this tree. As we advanced through the area, the falling branches abruptly stopped. I looked up, curious, only to witness this see-through clicking ripple-textured creature, climbing down the tree. It then melted into the canopy, all camouflaged. I was not fearful. I silently kept looking over my shoulder as we sped up our pace to move away from the encounter, and I was concerned for my dog's safety. The clipping noise was very unsettling. To this very day, I did not feel safe taking walks near a forested area, or a swampy area. This happened a little over two years ago. I was 21 at the time. I had been promised a good job in my hometown, a very small town on the coast after graduating college in a bar or cafe that was being opened up. I had about four weeks till I would start and decided to go visit my sister for a week or two till my job started. She lived in a big city, about a 5HR drive away. While staying with her I called my soon-to-be boss to see if he knew an exact start date for me. Apparently his co-owner didn't like the idea of someone so inexperienced working in her, not even open yet bar and decided I didn't have a job. That would have been nice to know a week ago. My sister suggested that I look for job here. I could stay with her for a few months, save money, and find a place to live. So I did. After getting a job I began to look on Craigslist for cheap one-bedroom apartments, or those looking for a roommate. Most the people I went to see about rooms were fairly nice, but either lived farther from my job, then I liked being new to the city, I didn't realize that at first just by looking at the address, 
suddenly reveled hidden little fees that weren't in the ad, and other little things that just didn't fit together. Nothing bad, just not what I was looking for. I was feeling about hopeless when I saw one ad. It sounded perfect. Washer and dryer, large living room, good size kitchen with a dishwasher, private bathroom, back patio and yard, smoking allowed inside, cats okay, close to my work, and must be LGBTQ friendly. The person renting the room was a 55-year-old man. I was slightly out off by that and the lack of photos, but I figured if he made a point to say, must be LGBTQ friendly, he was probably gay, and that was okay with me being girl. I called the number and got no answer. I left a voicemail and about 15 minutes later I got a call back. He sounded nice, saying his name was Roger. He had a cat but another cat would be fine if I wanted to bring my with or get a new kitten, and some other basic stuff. He ended by saying, so I uh, you should know that I am a transgender male to female and I'm gay. He said this is a very nervous voice, as if he were afraid that I would suddenly change my mind on coming to see the place. Of course I laughed it off, saying, that is perfectly fine with me. I'm a lesbian myself. We set up a time for me to come see the place and said our goodbyes. I was slightly confused. I figured after hearing I was a lesbian he would relax, instead he had become more nervous and shy. I didn't know what to think. The day came to meet. It was around 9 pm and very dark. My brother-in-law had come with me, and we walked up to the apartment together. I was actually surprised that the place was an apartment. The ad and the way the old man talked made the place sound as if it were a house he owned. First red flag. We knocked on the door. I'm not sure what I expected really. I guess I thought he would either be a very nice very old looking man, or an older, well-dressed woman. But instead he didn't look that old, and was dressed as if he hadn't changed his normal man looking close in days. If he hadn't have told me I never would have thought this man to be trans or gay. The first thing he said when opening the door was, you must be her, and who are you? He looked displeased to see someone else with me. I explained it was my brother-in-law, and that he was driving me around because I didn't have my truck and my parents were bringing it to me that weekend. Roger didn't seem happy, but welcomed up in, locking the door behind us. He made awkward conversation as I struggled to keep my temper in check. This place was disgusting. He had clutters of magazines, plies of random papers, book and knickknacks all over the tiny living room. The kitchen was filled with dirty dishes, and the dishwasher was broken. The washer and dryer were downstairs outside. My private bathroom was not private with no lock. Finally he showed me what would be my bedroom. Again, I wasn't happy. It was filled with his junk. A large cloths rack was in the middle of the room filled with leather jackets of every kind and size. The closet was filled with women's dresses of every color, style and size. Now with him being trans, that shouldn't be a red flag, but it was. I had never met a male to female trans that didn't know their exact size, perfectly organized their closet, and kept everything clean and well taken care of. 
He said all the clothing were things he had not yet tried on, and I could be a doll, and let him keep his stuff in my room, or he could put them in storage if he must. Yup, red flags. We moved back into the living room when my brother-in-law, got a call from my sister. Roger, unlocked the door for him to step outside. Leaving us alone. I asked a few more simple questions, and made small talk. I got him to admit that he had three female roommates before me. All had just suddenly backed their things and left overnight without telling him at first, and he just didn't know why, so he was asking for a $100 s deposit as insurance that I wouldn't do the same. Red flag. He said the first girl kept flirting with him whenever her boyfriend wasn't visiting him, and she would leave her door open only wearing a bra and then she left suddenly. Red flag. The second to the last girl was always getting drunk and sleeping in his bed, then getting angry at him, and asking if he was touching her while she slept, then suddenly she left. Red flag. The last girl out of the blue suddenly felt the need to put a lock on her door. Roger said he wasn't sure why, but I could remove the lock if I wanted because it wasn't needed. The last girl of course suddenly left. Biggest red flag ever with cannons going off in background. I was beyond pissed that someone like him was actually trying this crap on me, but I played it off as a shy girl, biting my tongue. He was about to say something else when my brother-in-law came back in. We said goodbye, and that I would be in touch. Roger forced me into a hug, placing his hands very sexually on my hips, and said softly in my ear. I hope you come home soon my dear. Now, if you've read my other story would know that I don't respond to danger by being afraid, I get angry. Very angry. I despise being tricked and creeped on, it makes my blood boil. A thousand different plans of action flashed through my mind before settling on whispering back. If you ever touch me or contact me again, I will crack your skull open, and I will love every moment of it. Then I pulled away and said in my very sweet, polite voice, nice meeting you Roger. The look on his face told me all. He knew I was serious. It would be lying to say I didn't get a sense of satisfaction and amusement by the look of dumbfounded horror on his face as I walked away. I never heard from or saw him again. And I'm glad for that, but I did learn, never trust anyone of Craigslist. I sometimes worry that some dumb naive girl moved in with him, and my not doing so put her in danger. Maybe I should have, but it's whatever. F that guy. This happened back in high school, during my junior year. I lived near Jasper in North Florida at the time. I missed the bus and didn't have a car, so my mom had to drive me to school. The main road was a long rural stretch that only had one equally tiny other neighborhood, and a few houses here and there. It was 6am or something, still dark outside and cold. As we were pulling out of our neighborhood, my mom and I both saw these three children in blue and white private school uniforms standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder at the entrance of the neighborhood on the sidewalk. It was either two girls and one boy, or two boys and one girl. I don't remember the ratio, 
but the girls wore a blue and white skirt or dress outfit, and the boy wore a blue short-sleeved shirt with khaki shorts. This was weird for a few reasons. 1. It was 40 degrees outside. They looked like they were dressed for the summer, and they didn't even wear coats or anything. Secondly, there were two schools in the area, but not a private school until the next town over, and blue and white weren't the school's uniform colors. Third, what young kids just stand there in a single file line, not doing anything but standing. No joshing around, no nothing. Yeah, right. Lastly, this wasn't where the bus stop was. It was a few blocks down. Just a sprinkle of extra creepy, there weren't any street lights. They were just standing in the dark. Not doing anything except being creepy I guess. They were on the corner on the right, closest to the passenger's side where I was obviously sitting. And of course, we were turning right. As we got closer I thought at first they didn't have faces, but it was just too shadowy and dark out, and the headlights only shone under their shoulders, which is how I can remember the outfits so vividly. Then we got closer, and I was relieved to see they had faces, but then I got completely freaked all over again when I saw their eyes were all black. Like, all black. My mom saw it before I did, and she put the pedal to the metal and high-tailed it out of there. I remember trying to look back and see them, but I couldn't since it was too dark. My mom didn't go back home until the sun rose, and it was bright enough to not be scared. Of course, nobody believed me at school and my siblings thought we were full of it, but we know what we saw. We never saw them again after that though. I thought they were ghosts, but a few months after that I heard about black-eyed children on YouTube or something and made the connection. We moved shortly after that due to unrelated reasons. This was 8 years ago, and I had blissfully forgotten about it until my mom said, Hey, remember when? Bought tickets for a large sum of money to a Stanley Cup Finals game. The tickets were a very good forgery, but they were still a forgery. Then my wife found a whole luxury box for the game that was priced at only about $150 s per seat. So we bought the whole box and figured my friends would easily pay $150 s to see our team in the luxury box, and it was still way cheaper than we had paid for the forged tickets if we could get our friends to pay, and if not, we could charge strangers a fortune. StubHub stepped in and said that it was a mistake, and the seller had accidentally listed the whole box for the price of a single ticket, and didn't want to sell it at that price. Because of their ticket guarantee, StubHub refunded us the amount minus the price to get us four tickets to the game from what was remaining on the site. The dollar amount was almost identical to what we had lost. A few years back my buddy was trying to sell a sport bike on Craigslist. He made the post late at night, after 11pm, and within an hour he gets a guy offering 2k if he can come get it right now, it was listed for $1600s. So knowing that I'd be up late, he calls me for backup, huh? He tells me the situation, and I'm thinking it sounds sketch as f. But apparently he wasn't concerned until he talked to the potential buyer on the phone, 
and could hear all his boys in the background who were coming with him to check it out. At that point he was worried, they were just going to come take his bike, or rob him since they already had the address. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So here we are waiting outside at 12.31 a.m., and they arrive four big beefy dudes in their 20s pile out of an Impala. They kick the tires and shoot the shit for a few minutes, they say they're all in the Navy, there's a base in town, and they all ride except one. This is his first bike doesn't even have an endorsement yet, so that's why he brought the crew to check it out. People who know what they're looking at. Asks if he can test ride it, my friend says no way, not until you put the money in my hand, but I'll ride it up the street so you can see that it runs. They approve and say they're going to the ATM, and will be back. Neither of us figured they would. I mean have you ever seen someone take 2k out of an ATM? There's normally a daily limit well below that. We start thinking they don't want it and aren't coming back, or they're going to come back another time to steal it since they saw where he was keeping at the side porch. Surprisingly, they return after about 15 minutes with, I shit you not, 100 crisp $20 bills, and count them out in stacks of $100 right there on the sidewalk. Once the cash is exchanged, one of the buyer's boys tests it out, he is satisfied that everything is working properly. So it turned out surprisingly okay, but it was pretty horrifying every step of the way. We were both convinced that it was a scam or set up every step of the way. I grew up in the Ozarks and spent a lot of my childhood exploring the woods, creeks, springs, etc. My uncle used to take my sister and I camping near a lake with a huge group of his friends and their kids. Inevitably, we would always want to go explore. So we were walking a trail one day, a marked trail that people use all the time. And we found a deer trail, and decided to follow it. Eventually it became an actual trail. 
and then it suddenly was like an actual pathway and less of a trail. The edges were lined with rocks all of, and the path itself had flat rocks embedded in the earth. And it just randomly started. We followed the path for what felt like forever, and it eventually led to a clearing in the woods with a round brick-lined campfire, and sitting logs around it. The clearing was obviously maintained, and it stretched quite a bit out beyond the log circle. In one corner of the beyond the clearing was a building with a path like the last one leading to it. It seemed really old and out of place compared to how well everything else was taken care of. So we went and checked it out. Old homesteads and bonfires in the woods are not uncommon here, so it wasn't really scary or weird for us. I had two homesteads just in the woods behind the condo I lived in in Branson Law. A lot of people use them as hunting cabins. So at this point, we were scared of being caught on someone's land more than anything. We got to the cabin, and it was locked. Windows were all covered from the inside. But we noticed a weird peephole kind of thing in a side door. Not the glass, modern kind. But the kind you would see at an old speakeasy where they actually open a piece of the door. It had the little cage around it and everything. So we found a piece of wood and stood on it to see if we could push it open, and it actually opened. Inside was the weirdest shit. It could only be described as a throne room. One big throne on a pedestal. Two on either side of it. The rest of the room was completely empty. No cabinets, no chairs, no tables. It was bizarre. As little kids, we thought it was cool as shit ever, like someone royal lives here or something lol. But we also weren't super dumb. Obviously this isn't an abandoned homestead or a hunting cabin, so we got the F out of there. Told our uncle about it, and he just kinda brushed it off. Found out years later he knew the guy that owns the land. That's why we camped where we did. He owned all the land in that area up to the lake. Apparently he was a part of a secret society or fraternity thing, and the cabin and log circle was some element of that. Which made it way more creepy. We never found out which one, because my uncle said he didn't know, and it isn't his business. He used that land to hunt, so I don't think he wanted to pry too hard. Or maybe he did know and just didn't want to tell us. Definitely the weirdest thing I've stumbled across in the woods. A few years back when I was in college, I was selling the previous semester's required books on Craigslist. I was a college student so I definitely needed whatever cash I could make from them. Anyways I got a few offers, but they never went through, and at this point I was getting pretty desperate. I had to sell those books as soon as possible because the authors would usually release a new edition every year or so. I get this text message from a person who says they wants to buy all my books. I simply assumed the individual was going for the same certificate as me, and required the same books for those professors looking back, I was a complete idiot. At first, this person wanted to meet up at my place. I was desperate, but not completely stupid. I instantly objected and offered a more suitable location, such as the campus. The person said they lived in the opposite direction, and said it would be preferable if we could meet halfway. 
I figured it was another poor college student who couldn't spend much on gas. I agreed and sent a location that seemed to be public enough a gas station, I didn't know the area. I requested we meet anytime from 12 pm 3 pm, simply because I had night classes to study for, and attend at 7 pm. I also don't like meeting up with strangers nearing dusk or night. The day of, I get about 10 texts from the person, constantly apologizing that they can't make it in that time frame, and begged me to meet at 5.30 pm. I genuinely felt bad for the individual and accepted, even though it was cutting close to both my class, and not wanting to deal in the night, it was getting dark around 6 pm during then. I end up driving the 20 minutes to get to the gas station, and I arrive a little early around 5.15. I was reviewing some notes for class, and then I get a text. Hey, I can't make it to our meetup spot, can we meet here instead? I looked on my map, and it was an auto body repair shop that stayed open until 8pm. I figured why not, but noticed it was another 10 minutes out. I told him yes and drove out there. Now I didn't know the area we were meeting in, but it had a ton of one-way streets and back alleys. Creeped me out to the max. I arrive at the destination, only to find out that it was in the alley behind the shop. Not only that, but it was on a one-way street, nighttime, and located in a not-so-good neighborhood. I text this person asking where they are, and that I'm going to be late for class. No response. I didn't receive a response until another 10 minutes later. All the text said was, almost there. At this point I'm beyond ticked off and just focused on checking how bad traffic was to get back. I received a ton more text from the person saying, almost there, almost there. It was at that point where a completely blacked out SUV rolls up coming down the street from the wrong way, with headlights completely off. All the windows were completely tinted with at least 75% window tinting. I panicked a little inside, until I saw the four people in hoodies get out. Then I panicked even more. All I had in my mind was to get the heck out of there. I couldn't go forward because their SUV was blocking the road in front of me. I freaking threw the car into reverse and floored it out of there. Once I got to the T intersection of that street, I looked at them for a split second, and they just stood there, with hoods hanging over their eyes. I figured it wasn't worth the risk of $100 S and just left. Needless to say I left knowing for next time to 1. Bring another individual. 2. Never meet at night, regardless of your or their circumstances. 3. Meet in a well-known area or do your research. 4. Don't risk your life for some extra change. Dolls. Two instances. The first time I was hiking in the middle of the forest one day. Completely off path, in the middle of a million acre national forest Colorado. I was curious what was beyond the trail. So I took out my compass, stepped into the forest, and just started navigating. So I'm hiking for about an hour, I'm in the middle of nowhere in the dense trees, and all of a sudden there, propped up against a tree is a slightly weathered child's doll. Not as small as a Barbie. 
larger, about the size of a cabbage patch kid, but with a plastic head and clothes in a fancy dress slightly weathered from the elements. I looked around, turned around 360 degrees, and it was just forest, thick dense forest as far as you could see. So I'm just standing there, looking at this crazy ass doll in the middle of the forest, propped up against the tree, and I'm like WTF. I didn't touch it, only got close enough to just look at it, but it was so weird. No reason that should been out there at all. No kid would have been out there in the middle of the forest, some creepy ass adult brought it out there, and posed it there in person. Weird. I noped it out of their back the way I came, and never went back. The second doll was when I was at a park. Not the middle of nowhere, it was a park in the Midwest. But it was the time. Late in the evening, I had finished up hiking around a lake there at the park, and suddenly I look over and sticking out of a trash barrel was a doll's legs. Similar in size to the other one I saw. I was like WTF. I immediately had a flashback to the forest. I walked over and just looked and someone had stuffed this doll into the trash bin with its legs sticking out, but the trash bin wasn't full. So it means that someone purposely stuffed a doll in a trash bin halfway with its legs sticking out for everyone to see. So weird. I left quick from there too. Creepy as F. I worked at the International Peace Garden one summer, and stayed in the cabins. There are a lot of tiny paths in the forest up there. I found two weird things. First is right by the cabins. There's an old outhouse in the middle of the woods. Only, it has no walls, hole under the seat, and I believe a sink. I'm sure it's from the athletic or music camp. But how it got into the middle of all the trees is beyond me unless it was just built out there. If you're ever up there for a visit, go to the campground, find the cabins, and near about the third one there should be a tiny path in. I planted a hosta in 2018 that was still growing when I checked in 2022. Second thing was like a stone furnace or oven, with no other structure around it. It was off the road going up to the Game Warden Museum, but still in the dense woods. I was able to find it when I went back with my friends and nobody could figure out why it was there. Also, visit the Peace Gardens for the flowers and conservatory, not just my outhouse hosta. I have a story that has creeped me out since it happened, some nights I'll think about it, and not be able to sleep. I'll set the scene. It was the summer of 2011 and I was a camp counselor at a small, private college that sponsors ACT classes for high school students. At this camp, six other college students, and I mentored, tutored, and in a sense, babysat, over 50 high school students who would stay on the college campus and sleep in the college dorms for six weeks. It was always tough, but it was always rewarding. 2011 was my second year working at this, a CT camp, and I had started a relationship with one of the other college students. We'd stay up every night after the high school students went to bed, and we'd explore the campus. Sneaking into the college chapel at midnight, taking walks at their small lake and forest, and spending late nights in the courtyard. 
I want to mention this is one of the oldest colleges in one of the oldest towns in Arkansas. They even have a cabin built in the 1-800s still standing. My new girlfriend told me a story around the end of June about the small lake and forest where we'd sometimes take our late night walks. She told me in the 1980s there was a girl who went to college who loved a boy and he said he loved her, but he cheated on the girl and when she confronted him, he was able to convince all his friends and most of campus to bully her. They didn't know she was a Wiccan and regularly practiced witchcraft. The girl ran off into the woods by the lake after being bullied one evening and didn't come back until the next morning. The day she came back she was able to convince the boy she had loved to follow her back to the woods the next night. He followed her into the woods until she disappeared in the dark and he got lost. Then he heard growling and barking and snarling, and the noises chased him into a clearing with strange symbols out of burnt limbs on the ground, and the girl's body hanging from a tree. Then the barking and snarling chased him out of the forest. And the urban legend continues now, if a girl brings her boyfriend to the woods, and the hellhounds sense he is unfaithful or his intentions are not pure, they'll chase him out of the forest. And this was the girl's final act of protecting other girls from unfaithful boys. Of course, we had to check it out together. She and I went out to the woods by the lake around midnight, and from the asphalt trails circling the lake, we found a dirt trail leading into the woods. We didn't have flashlights, so we used our lights on our smartphones. We climbed down a small hill into the trees, and exactly when we walked on even ground, our smartphone lights started flashing. The flashlight was flashing on and off, and the home screen was also flashing on and off with no lock screen. I have no idea how it was possible. When we rushed back up on the asphalt trail, the flashing stopped, and we looked at our phones confused. I had to climb down a second time, even though, she didn't want to do it again, because I needed to test that it wasn't a fluke or coincidence. When I hit even ground again, my phone flashed exactly the same as before, and then I climbed back out. She wanted to leave, and I agreed. I had never known smartphones to act that way before, and I have never been able to recreate it since. After years of watching ghost hunting shows, I was very familiar with the theory of ghosts and other spirits absorbing electricity and power from batteries for their own energy. If there is another reason, I'd love for someone to tell me why our smartphones acted so weird. The camp ended, and summer did as well, and school was starting back. I went back to my state school. I was never unfaithful or anything to my girlfriend from that summer. But I discovered by Thanksgiving in 2011, after we had ended the relationship, that she had been unfaithful and her intentions had not been that pure. Now I know why she didn't want to go back a second time. I know it's no dark figure or cold touch, but this is my ghost story, and thank you for reading. This time when I was about 13-14, and I was at a camp during holidays with a bunch of other kids. I was in a separate cabin at the time but two of my buddies told me the night before they were asleep in the cabin. 
we were camp leaders and one of the kids just sat up and started demonically laughing and just fell back down and went to sleep and they both told me that they felt this pulling sensation like they were being pulled toward the forest behind the cabins and also the opposite direction toward the center of camp so they both got out of that cabin as fast as they could and straight to the hall where a few of the older leaders were still up and hanging out at the time very weird I guess the best place to start is a little bit about me. Why? To show I am normal, and that something not normal happened to me. I am 46 years old, living in Gilsford, England, and an engineering manager for the Royal Mail British Postal Service. Before that I was a highly qualified and experienced mixed gas diver. Two jobs where you won't be long if the boss thinks you're crazy. I am not crazy. My wife is aware of some of my experiences. She's sort of indifferent to it and doesn't tell anyone about it, but at the same doesn't judge me. My earliest memories are from about five years old. I clearly remember a blue light shining into my room from outside. This would have been in the middle of the night as it was dark outside. I remember looking out of the window and seeing an electric blue disc approximately 60 feet across. I didn't realize the importance of this until later in my life. There is another incident, of which I am very hazy, and would have been from the same age. Again a bright light, but this time I remember as the light dimmed, I was no longer in my room, but on a small sandy clearing in a forest of pine trees. Some of the sand had rough lumps of glass, as if the sand had been melted by heat. So, leading into my teens. The reason I mention this period is purely because of the questions raised by MUFON. I did suffer from horrendous migraine headaches as a teen, and a couple of notable strange occurrences. To be honest I will not go into those now, as I do not believe there is a connection. We shall see as this pans out. As I said, I only mention this as I did suffer from horrendous migraines at the time, and the question did bring this up. So, moving into my 20s, I started to experience episodes. The more it happened, the more I remembered. I had friend at the time, John Haywood, he was the same age as me. For some reason I felt he was the only person I could confide in. He looked shocked when I told him of my experiences, but at the same time intrigued. He asked me to meet him the next night at a local bar, and said he needed to show me something. I agreed. That next night I sat at the bar, John came in, walked straight up to me, and pulled a book out of his bag. I saw the book and have never read it. I can't. I believe there is a movie of the book, certainly there is one of the same name. I can't read it or watch it. The book was called Communion by Whitley Strieber. The cover of the paperback had a picture. John explained that the picture was an artist impression of the author's experience. I recognized it. I had seen it. I will swear an oath on anything, including the lives of my kids. I knew that face. Prior to John showing me that picture, I had had a number of experiences. As the number of experiences increased, my knowledge, or rather my memory after the event increased. 
As the number of events, or rather my memory of them increased, I became more and more prepared for them. This came to point that I remembered specifics. My ankles were shackled somehow. I would always be lifted from bed ankles first. I clearly remember on at least five different occasions being transported in this fashion. I learned not to fight it, and just accept this was happening. On a number of occasions the speed was quite fast. I remember being put back in my bed. I remember lying on a bed, but not my own. I would be surrounded by a team, that consisted of one tall one, approximately two meters and six shorts ones, approximately one meter. I felt I was being observed. Until one occasion. The large one pierced my groin with an object best described as a syringe, that had an appearance of stainless steel. I remember the pain. You don't feel pain in a nightmare right? This is important, a few months later I was told that I had cancer in the groin area. I felt the pain, and I clearly remember it now. This was done by the taller of the entities, who was darker in appearance clothing, I remember a hood that kept the face in darkness. The process lasted for about a minute. I remember screaming, and the scream came out, and it was not muffled. However I was unable to move. This was not paralysis, I was restrained somehow. After the procedure I lay there in pain for some time, the taller one left. The shorter ones remained, surrounding whatever I was lying on. This occasion is the only time where I recall the descent back to my room, like making a fast descent in an elevator. I remember the shorter ones in my room, moving around me and checking I was okay. On this occasion I recall the feeling of restraint, being replaced with a feeling of paralysis. This is where I would fight to breathe. I would be completely awake, but stuck in that moment. I believe I have been in the presence of the taller one on at least three occasions. It's out of the town center, the last road before the countryside. It only occurred to me recently the number of military or defense and space contractors are in the immediate area. I moved to a flat just out of the town center, and this is where the last incident that I can recall took place. Again I was taken up and lay on a table of sorts, metallic body temperature. I do not recall any procedures, just being observed. So, regarding the cancer. I do not smoke, and I have not smoked. I have no genetic disposition to cancer, and no family history of if. It was quite advanced, and came on and grew quickly, but did not spread. It was localized to that one point where the syringe was. I did not have chemotherapy but I did have radiotherapy which was described as being done for precaution. I made an extremely quick recovery, with no further cancer at all since then. I had scans for a further 10 years with no reoccurrences. I know what I saw. I know what I felt. I know what I experienced. At first I was terrified, but as the number incidents took place, I became curious and wanted to learn more about what was happening. I would try and take in what was happening and observe back. All these years later, when I go to bed, I am still mentally prepared for it happen again, but not since 1999. To be honest, I miss it, in a strange way. From that perspective, I almost feel abandoned by them. Maybe that's why it stopped.
I was showing just as much interest in them as them to me. There has been some other incidents that I have not mentioned here. These relate to some of the questions you have asked me, and to be honest I had not thought of them like that until I saw the questions hence me keeping them separate from my main narrative. When I was seven or eight years old watching in search of, with narrator Leonard Nimoy, shows like that sort of died out and lost ratings I guess, and as I got older I watched Ancient Aliens. I had my first experience coming back from a card game. I came to a stop sign after I crossed the bridge going over the highway off exit 112 in the lower part of the Catskills outside of Monticello. And why when something caught my eye. I looked up, and there was a UFO. It just cleared the treetops and went over the road, the same height as the treetops, and was moving slowly. I got out of my truck and watched it as it headed for the highway I just crossed. Cars were zooming by, and they had to have seen it. It headed in the direction of Matamoros, Pennsylvania. I said in my head, where are you going? Come back. And at the time I knew nothing about mind speak and telepathy, so they had to have heard me. I went home and didn't hesitate to tell my dad and stepmother. My dad was excited for me and asked if I had a missing time experience and I said no. He then said Bonnie, who is my stepmom, had seen one in Carmel and why about the size of a football field. I eventually met someone, married her and moved to Pulaski and why. That was in July of 2009. Around May of 2019, I was bored and decided to YouTube some Sasquatch stories. I came across a video titled Sasquatch Speaks. I was so fascinated with the video that, and put it on every day after work for three days. The first speaker. CUNY Laspsoritis said 12 years ago that Sasquatch was going to start going out and talking and they are very picky choosing who they talk to people, but they have a certain spiritual vibration and have respect for life. They are spiritual enough to handle the Sasquatch, meaning the mental telepathy experience and communication. I turned off the TV set and headed out the door to Happy Valley and Parish, NY. From the time I got in my car and drove to the location, which was state land, I had my experience right away when I got out of my car. Keep in mind that I just drove over a mile on a dirt road leading to the spot. Well, it was a howl, and it was just feet away. There was no wolf to be seen so I knew what it was, it was a Sasquatch that was invisible because they are interdimensional beings. I went to my left in the woods and saw a classic tree break. It looked fresh because it had fresh leaves on the shoots coming out of the sapling tree that was three inches thick, and it was broken about ten feet up. All of a sudden I was hit with a massive amount of energy that made me high as if I was stoned. I was enlightened. I felt so good that I started to sing too. I made it back to my car and drove home. I felt that the Sasquatch was still present so I was talking to him or her. I got home and didn't say anything to my wife and went into the house. Later, on the way back from Walmart, I got off Route 81 and went up the road, and I must have been the first car to drive up. There was an accident, two ambulances, and a state trooper. 
I recognize some guys standing there wearing the Wicked Ways motorbike club jackets. Keep in mind, I'm still high from the Sasquatch mojo. So I said to the Sasquatch, let's go investigate. I walked up and I knew one biker and I asked what happened. He replied that some jerk pulled out in front of him with a zero turn mower. I looked over and saw their friend standing, leaning against his bike with the EMT examining him. There was blood coming out of his ear, and I noticed a small puddle of blood on the road. I remember in Sasquatch Speaks that if you ask the Sasquatch for healing they will. They are our elders, brothers and sisters. I asked the biker what his friend's name was, and he replied Zach. So, in my mind, I asked the Sasquatch if he would heal Zach. A moment later Zach said, do I really have to go to the hospital? The EMT replied, yes, you have brain trauma. I knew intuitively that the Sasquatch had done just that, and I said thank you. I caught up to Zach two months later, and I saw his left arm in a sling. He said he healed quickly and suffered a broken collarbone. Two months went by, and I was having the time of my life with this new experience. I was lying on the couch, and I heard a knock at the window. I looked and saw my wife was on the phone. She didn't hear it. At the time I smoked cigarettes, so I told her I was stepping outside for a smoke. I looked over in the woods and saw Sasquatch figures standing there at the wood line, but they were glowing green. Kind of like Space Ghost, if you saw that cartoon growing up is how I can best explain what I witnessed. I went up my sidewalk and went around the shed and walked up the steps to my pool deck. The pool was 22 feet across and 54 to the rail, and my pool deck railing was 36. I was looking in the woods when I saw a glowing Sasquatch, but he was halfway through the tree. I said you can come closer, it's okay, and he walked over to me and another followed behind him, a female carrying an infant. He was three feet from me now, but I was above his head. I said hello and said automatically, don't trust the government. He seemed to be uneasy about that so I changed the subject. The male had a primate face, but I didn't make hers out too well. She was always looking down at her kid. They both had lead white eyes and the kid's eyes were red. I said, oh, he's so cute. I didn't know what else to say since they weren't saying anything, so I said, well, I'm going in now, bye and thank you. I went down the stairs.